Welcome to Pretty Good Vibrations, a show that both celebrates and analyzes 90s punk rock and the incredibly crucial role it has played in my life and the life of my guest today, Ben Bishop. We are doing a 32-band mega tournament, bracket March Madness style. I explain everything as we get into it, so don't need to say much here at the beginning, except to thank Ben for being with me. And also that I did the editing on this part, so if it's a little crappy here or there, that's my own fault. Part two, which is going to come next week, uh, has someone uh, doing some better uh, better job with the editing here. But I was just uh, wanting to get this thing out there, and, and so I was kind of working on it compulsively. This is a really, really fun episode. Part two is also really fun. Um, thank you guys for supporting this. If you If you love these bands, please send this to a few friends that you think might like the episode. All right, let's get into it. All right, Ben, thank you for joining me for this 90s punk bands tournament of champions. Let's uh, let's set the stage a little bit first. Tell me a little bit about yourself in the 90s, especially most of the stuff here is going to be from like 94 to 99. So who was Ben? What did you dress like? What were you doing? When did you get your first tattoo? Let's hear that stuff. Okay. My name is Ben Bishop. I live in Portland, Oregon, and I'm about to turn 40. If we go back to 1993, I had just moved in the great transition in some ways of, of my life, certainly of my childhood. I had just moved from having uh, spent my entire early boyhood in the Midwest, mostly in Akron, Ohio, uh, and then moved in 93 to Santa Cruz, California. Culture shock of every variety. We're talking, yeah. you know, First, uh, meaningful exposure to Democrats, uh, organic produce, uh, <laughs> skateboarding, <laughs> anything, the ocean, anything yeah. and everything. Yeah, the ocean. Um, I don't know that I actually ever seen the ocean until driving down Morrissey Boulevard, Boulevard and going to Seabright Beach that day in June of 1993. So a, a huge shift. Uh, I was and still am the son of a pastor. So my dad had left a big church in Akron to come to a church in santa cruz and so just you know sort of the the cultural background was like a relatively conservative 90s american non-denominational evangelical world that i was living in so we moved to santa cruz where there is still that world but set in a totally different uh context within a few years i've just gone down the rabbit hole of skateboarding uh i've gotten into you know but it's like I don't have a cool skateboard. I'm buying all my clothes at Pacific Sunwear. I got, you know, a, an entire quiver of baggy plaid shorts, <laughs> Stussy yeah. and Quicksilver t-shirts, a moppy bowl cut. I'm a, I'm an uncool Grom, but I'm loving life in the California sun. And I would say about probably 1996, I have a distinct memory of, of buying uh, my first ever punk CD by mxpx which album was it it was on the cover actually their first cover album okay and after a torrid 24 hours of deep regret and certainty that i'd made a huge mistake something clicked (laughs) and i realized this is incredible and that became the the gateway to uh, a decades-long love affair with punk rock what do you think is going on there like psychologically 
because millions of us heard the similar songs, right? The same kind of thing. And at that time, wherever we happen to be developmentally, what have you, we hear this thing and we all go, oh, we're punks now. And like, it happens pretty quick. You all of a sudden get like 10 million of those people after having, I don't know, a few hundred thousand or something. And that's probably, I'm sure it's a little bit bigger than that, but like, you know, it becomes this big thing and it speaks to us. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like there's so much about punk rock and a lot of the adjacent styles of music that uh, was largely stylistic, aesthetic, signaling to other people in this kind of like primal way. Yeah. As is true of like lots of different kinds of rock and roll. But I, I didn't ever really feel attracted to or get involved with the more like stereotypically hard, gritty edge of punk rock. I was yeah. not a rebellious kid. Yeah. So Same. I, I really feel like the, whatever it was that grabbed me by the lapels and sucked me in really did have to do with the music. It was just like this yeah. speed and energy that I'd never encountered. And maybe that was amped up by, you know, just like having a relatively sheltered uh, exposure to music before that. But like, I wasn't entirely sheltered. I My dad right. was into like some cool... 70s and 80s rock he's like a huge paul simon fan it's not like i'd never heard music right. that i would now in hindsight still think is really good and it was kind of a gateway drug to good music for for other people so I, I can't explain all of it other than to say that in some and again like with that first experience there was something that just like hit me almost like a drug of just like what in the world like how is the that dude playing those drums that fast like what is the sound of that yeah guitar i'd heard like heavy metal on the radio of course hair metal for years like you can't escape the scorpions or acdc but there was something just about the combination and maybe the simplicity and just the raw energy that just sucked me in do you think that what fast punk does for a music listener's brain do you think that it does the same thing that like blast beats do for metal people or do you think that there is like is it a distinct uh, neurotransmitter cocktail that like punk gives and metal being like darker and a little more whatever, like gives a slightly different cocktail and people are drawn to one or the other for like neurochemical reasons. Am I, am I talking completely out of my ass? I, I think you are, uh, okay. uh, or maybe you're not, but I have no way of, of credibly responding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got Maybe, really. You know what? I should, I, really... I should try and find someone to interview who does know about. It. I bet yeah, somebody that knows would be that. Fascinating. I'm gonna find that person. Okay. Like so brain anyway. studies on like this yeah. is how people's brains look when they're listening to jazz. This is how people's yes. brains look when they're listening that to flamenco. That must exist. It's that gotta must be out exist. There. Yeah, it has to be. I gotta there. find one of those uh, researchers and get them on the show. Okay. Okay. So uh, I'll briefly fill in my own story. I've probably ended up talking about it, but I'm I'm also I'm wearing Dickies pants and jackets. I got my Converse or my Vans New Schools on. My hair is blonde or a color. It's spiked up. I am at an evangelical high school and junior high from sixth grade through 12th grade. So this entire span we're talking. I, I made my way in through ska and then also to some degree from punk on the radio like Green Day. Um, but it was definitely, it, it, it hit more from the indie bands. You know, it was like, when MXPX hit me, when No Effects hit me, that was like that's where I really felt it. 
And uh, I was in two punk bands in high school. One was called Permanent Holiday. The other one started as the 57 Heavies, changed our name to Ignorant Youth. Permanent Holiday is a great band name. It's pretty good, right? Yeah. I wrote a bunch of really bad punk songs. Um, I have distinct memories of like writing them in chemistry class or in the in carpool on my way to school, like <laughs> jotting down the lyrics and and uh, trying to remember the melody. Oh my gosh! Okay, I don't really want to spend time there. Can I just say? Can I just acknowledge that I was in a, a pretty bad punk band in high school with our mutual friend Kevin Matley? Our name was for Pete's sake, but we only ever spelled it the, the number four Pete's sake. <laughs> oh gosh! I was the, I was nominally the rhythm guitarist, but really, <laughs> both of the two guitarists were only playing power chords. So. <laughs> okay, so here's what we're doing: we are doing a 32 team, like half of March Madness. 90s punk band bracket. Here are the rules. The songs that I've selected must be based on material released before 2000 and in the 90s. So Bad Religion, they don't get Suffer and No Control. Descendants don't get Milo Goes to College, right? Yep. And we're not including real ska punk bands that are like really like a a pretty 50-50 kind of thing. Uh, so Suicide Machines, Less Than Jake, which may have been otherwise included, are out. The The tracks I've chosen are based on Apple Music popularity, which is very strongly correlated with Spotify popularity, Spotify play count. Uh, and then uh, there's a little bit of editorial discretion if something just seems like really unrepresentative. But basically, I stick to that. And when multiple albums are available from the 90s, I cycle through the available albums going by popular song. So this rewards bands with multiple albums, which I think is a useful, that's like a good thing to do. Yeah. Basically, Ben gets to ultimately choose each winner. However, I have a chance if to we try disagree. and convince him. If we disagree, I have a chance to try and persuade him. If I fail to persuade him, I have one veto per round. So in the first round of 16 matchups, I can only veto one of them. And I only have one veto for the final four. I can't veto the semi-championship and the championship. I can only do one of those. Understood. We'll save our comments about a band for when they're eliminated. That way we have a nice little flow and rhythm. Any stories, thoughts, memories, whatever. We'll try and keep it brief. We had a lot to get through. Also, this might just be a really long episode. And if it is, then you can just kind of put it on the background. A couple sittings. I do that with long movie podcasts that I like. Absolutely. So... Here is the seeding, the 32 seeds of best 90s punk bands. MXPX, Rancid, Green Day, Blink-182, Lagwagon, No Effects, The Descendants, Bad Religion, The Offspring, Craig's Brother, Good Riddance, No Use for a Name, AFI, Alkaline Trio, All, Strung Out, Face to Face, Social Distortion, Propagandi, Unwritten Law, the Vandals, Pennywise, the Ataris, Mill and Colin, Slick Shoes, Me First in the Gimme Gimmies, Goaty Hook, The Living End, The Huntingtons, Dogwood, Watashi Wa, and 90 Pound Wuss. Just hearing you read those names gives me just a, th- a thrill of naked joy. I just... It was powerful. I oh. almost stopped in the middle to talk about how I was feeling. <laughs> it's kind of, it, there's something crazy about focusing my attention on all of the bands at once. 
It's right. like it's different than focusing on a band or seeing a band, but it's like there's something about the totality. Panning across Mount Atlas, these are all yeah. of the gods. Yeah, except it did get a little bit shakier in the last ten or so. You're like, okay, okay, <laughs> the Huntington's okay. <laughs> Watashiwa, like almost no one is gonna know their earlier punk stuff. There's um, absolutely no filler on this list at all. <laughs> I guess we just are going to go into it. So we're in round one. I'm going to be playing music clips of the songs. Round one, battle number one is MXPX versus 90 Pound Wuss. Sorry, Jeff. Okay, so here's I'm Okay, You're Okay by MXPX. All right. I'm okay. You're okay by MXPX. Next up, ASD by 90 Pound Wuss. I tried to like 90 Pound Wuss so many times at the Berean uh, sample tape <laughs> station, <laughs> which is where we really became first became friends, that exact building. Oh, man. Listening to these samples, these demo tapes and CDs, and 90 Pound Wuss was one that I threw in so many times. Like that cartoon <laughs> Beavis and Butthead kind of artwork exactly. was like yes. directed right at me. I wanted to love it, and I just never could. I've, oh, I've, I've had coffee with Jeff Becker like – Way, way later, as adults up in Seattle, he is a really cool guy, very he interesting seems like guy. He's a really cool guy, totally. And has done a bunch of, he's just been one of those like true kind of artists. Let it, let it, let's it roll. Totally Obviously, dude. MXPX is going to win this battle, correct? Yeah, it just steamroller. Steam. <laughs> okay, so uh, game anything, number two. Anything else to say about 90 Pound Wolves? No, I mean, as they're on their way. Jeff's out a good already. guy. Jeff, Jeff Bedger is probably. Maybe not the first, but one of the the most seminal examples of a punk singer who I never actually knew his last name because he didn't go by Jeff Betker. He went by Jeff Suffering. Jeff Suffering. I forgot. Uh, yes. Uh, which uh, is a cool move. He was also in a band called Raft of Dead Monkeys. The dude's an artist. He's following the beat of his own drum. I mean, it's I like just it. they were they were kind of like an art punk band almost. I feel like they weren't trying to do the same thing. They had like a real aesthetically. They had like a gutter punk influence. They had like huge mohawks and yeah, yeah, and and they were like also in that Christian world. So I feel like they're. I, I, my vibe was that they were like a bit more marginalized, or kind of like dudes who are like, we're I think like that's trying right. to be actual punks, and yes, people are like, who I think the that's heck right. Are you when they show up at like the at the church punk show? People are like, uh, what? Yeah, and you know what? That's actually probably something worth dwelling on for a second here i don't even know which decade some of these records came out but like there's no subhumans or crass yeah these guys are channeling like those bands like the exploited and stuff like that and i didn't put, british there are bands. none of those bands on this bracket so we should like, say I look, didn't listen, you and i didn't listen to that we just yeah. didn't we didn't know we didn't listen to it uh i know that there are people who did i hope 
a similar such episode ex- <laughs> is being recorded somewhere, somewhere in right Birmingham, now. England right now. Yeah. Or I don't know, Huntington Beach, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. Now we've got strung out versus face to face. This is a tough one. This wow, one, a first round knockdown drag out between this, two great bands. All right, here's Firecracker. Here's Disconnected by Face to Face, the version I don't prefer, but that is the higher popularity on Apple Music, the Don't Turn Away original version. Ultimate rules are like if we if we're having a hard time, it's the song against the song right, as track. we hear it today. Okay, track we're not track. trying to load it with all our memories. But see, that's why it's impossible not to. I don't think so because like I hear disconnected today, and like I hear the twenty five years of my history with it. I hear exactly. it right now. I'm like, oh, that chorus hit. So that still is how I'm hearing it right now. It, it, and it is inclusive of the history, I think. Let me just make a dichotomy here. So yeah. to, to lead with my answer, track versus track, in this instance, these two tracks, I'm going to go with Disconnected by Face to Face. That's what I would choose. Yeah. And in a heartbeat, in a in, if it's a totality of catalog and personal experience, Strung Out versus Face to Face, uh, Strung Out wins every time. Yeah. So I'm saying Face to Face. Because Disconnect, well, I, I, I just didn't listen to Suburban Teenage Wasteland uh, or blues or whatever. Twisted yeah. by Design is an insane album. The next album, and it's like it's it's too bad that we didn't get a track off that. But oh man, I've got to go. I got to go disconnected. I got to go. Dis- what do you think? I no, I agree. Now for me, the totality of the catalogs actually tilts toward face to face. Okay. Like I love Suburban Teenage, or I love Twisted by Design. Twisted by Design, and then is I insane. like suburban teenage wasteland or whatever but i don't i don't listen to much of it except for a couple mm-hmm. of the tracks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i don't really listen to anything after twisted by design so that record was very important like very much on my rushmore of like spins <laughs> in those years twisted by design was chiseled into the rock of your punk oh, yeah. rushmore yes but my punk rushmore but face to face i like like five of their records so they actually have a lot bigger catalog in my Heart. Well, then we need to just talk briefly about Strung Out if we're sending them out already, because I, I'll say that like t- t- Twisted by Design, when I first heard it and I saw them once live at Palookaville in uh, in Santa Cruz, they were they were like the er example, the arch example of just raw speed. I was like, this is not possible that these yeah. guys are playing, especially like right. they had wild like solos that they would play at like you know 875 miles an hour you're like what the hell how's that possible and they were they were just so tight they were like 
I think they deserved us playing the clip that we were going to play if they made it to the next round. Let's hear Let's it. Hear another Let's hear, Let's hear something from Twisted by Design. Too Close to See from Twisted by Design. It's a, it's definitely a superior record. You can tell it costs more. It sounds better. Yeah, the production value is way. The higher. production is very significant, and the songwriting they found what they were hinting at. Yes, like I love the song "Rotten Apple," but essentially it has one note in the chorus. <laughs> He's not. It's not really a melody, but it is melodic. Kind. You know what I'm saying? So they're yeah. on their way. They're they're getting closer to the thing that they're going to actually totally nail on Twisted by Design. All right, rest in peace. It's good good night strung out. That was really that was really tight. Wow. So next up, The Offspring versus Melancholin uh, oh. from Stockholm, Sweden or somewhere in Sweden. Here's The Offspring, The Kids Aren't All Right. Colin Bullion from Life on a Plate, their only 90s, the the biggest record they put out in the 90s. Solid album. Penny, Penny Bridge Pioneers, which was their kind of more breakthrough, 2000 or 2001. Sorry, guys. Ben, what's your call? Offspring. Yeah. It's just Sacrificial Lambs, Mill and Colin. Uh, they made the cut. All right. Farewell to our sole Swedish band. Next up, Bad Religion versus Slick Shoes. Oh, wow. This is the top song on Spotify and Apple Music, and it is from the 90s. American Jesus by Bad Religion. I'm a member of a growing populace. We Okay, and here's For Better For Worse by Slick Shoes.
this is the matchup I was most curious to to see how it would play out in the first round. What mm-hmm. are you thinking, man? Uh, I'm I'm definitely leaning that Slick Shoes track. It's a it's a situation where my number one favorite Slick Shoes song is going up against a song that I think is outside the top 40 or 50 bad religious oh, songs. Yeah. So I'm totally I'm totally unfamiliar with the 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 vast majority of the bad religion catalog. They were not a band I listened to. Well, okay. <clears throat> I'm not going to veto you. And here's wow. why. Okay. So I think that bad religion this is the first upset. They're going out and it's their fans' fault. <laughs> Yeah, it just doesn't seem like a good that, that doesn't but it's seem not like that it fulfills, good of a song. No. It's 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 a really a mediocre song about a topic that scratches an itch for people. And uh so I'm gonna play I'll play something else as we as we get rid of them yeah, here. Give, then, me, as your, we say give goodbye. me like your favorite one or two bad religion. Okay, song. so if I get to play since I don't have to I'll, I'll stick with what's on here. So this is still nineties. Um dude, 21st century digital boy. And I don't want it. Life of Mystery, Ben. Or like, here's Generator. Like a rock, like a planet, like a fucking animal. I'll remain unperturbed by the joy and the madness that I encounter everywhere I turn. I've seen it all along. In books and magazines. Like a twitch before dying. Like a pornographic really not served by that track but them's the rules them's the rules it's a really it's a very good slick shoe song against a sort of mediocre bad religion song blink 182 versus the huntingtons Ooh, oh you wow. poor you poor can we see an even bigger upset no <laughs> no well here we go what's my age again all right we all know that one we might not all know the huntingtons <laughs> this is from no pool party tonight <laughs>
Okay, is that an acquired taste or is it awesome? Never in the history of music has there been a more faithfully, slavishly, uh, just like straight fan band than the Huntingtons. Yeah. They, they are have, they, <laughs> the Ramones. <laughs> Who were still playing at the time, too. They, like, that's wild. They, no, no, they backed Joey Ramone at a few shows. Oh, they did. Did you know oh that? My, no, that is yeah. their absolute dream coming true. That's incredible. I don't know if it was Joey or one of the other guys. But they, been no, Joey. they were the backing thing, band yeah. for, for one of the remotes for like of a few yeah, shows. Didi. I yeah. mean, it, was, it had to happen. Wow. Yeah, there's no question incredible. here. Brooklyn 82. Next. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's just, so let's just say the Huntington's, I just can't believe they existed. I mean, I think they still exist again. They have two Ramones cover albums. Two albums of nothing but Ramones <laughs> covered. They, yes. they have like yes. 15 other albums yes. that all sounds like that all sound like Ramones albums. Yeah. They're like, no, we're not getting close enough. But you know what? I <laughs> can relate because I was in a band called the Renomes in college. We were like sounded like the Ramones, but we wrote humorous songs. And then Billy and I, my buddy, who was also an ignorant youth in high school, we were like, this isn't close enough. So we started a Ramones cover band called Bob Maplethorpe and the Lawn Wranglers. We only ever played, we had one rehearsal. <laughs> and at the end of that rehearsal, Nate stuck around and we had our very first Sherwood rehearsal. Oh, wow. It birthed out of the single rehearsal of Bob Maplethorpe and the Lawn Wranglers, the Ramones cover band. Wow. So I get it. When you're in there, when you're in that, you're like, we're, we're not getting enough Ramones scratched here by just sounding like them with our songs. Like... <laughs> Yeah, can we just pause? Can we just pa- pose the question of like how how in the in the admittedly gauzy, vague, amorphous like theology of tooth and nail records, whereby somebody had to like quote unquote be a Christian? Like, where where does the Huntington's fit into that? This is not about Jesus Christ and his gospel in any way, and that's fine. It's about Joey Ramone and his gospel. <laughs> Yeah, uh, one of the Gnostic Gospels, the Gospel of Joey. Um, okay, Blink goes on. We're going to hear from Blink. It'll be fun. We have to uh, just to give me five seconds to say that's a great song, that Blink-182 oh, song. Dude, I mean, come on. They're putting on, on a fucking clinic. I don't care how popular. I don't care how many times you've heard it. That's a great song. That record, I mean, so many of their stuff. I actually really like their new stuff, too. Okay, we'll be back to them. We'll be get back to them. All right. AFI, Local Boys, Berkeley. Berkeley boys yep. uh, versus unwritten law, San Diego, I think, or maybe Orange County. Hit me. Versus Unwritten Law. This is Harmonic.
this is my first real dilemma, Dan. I need I need your help. How about you go first this time? Which way are you leaning? Uh, you know, I think that that's a really good unwritten law song. I think they basically have like one really good song. <laughs> so I don't think I have the same connection to the band, which technically wouldn't matter. But when I hear Total Immortal by AFI, like all those years of like, go and like Dexter Holland is layered in there. That just like, I do like harmonic. Also what's interesting What's interesting is that that unwritten law record was done on Interscope with like a big time budget produced by Rick Parashar, who had done Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains. And so it sounds so good, like such a good recording. Yes. But AFI's got, they have some sort of cocaine in a bottle. I mean, they just have something so special <laughs> as a band that I've just never heard it's elsewhere. Absinthe. And so I, I do think that AFI, like not only just as a band, but I, I feel like I can justify picking them. Uh, yeah. In this I, I got to go AFI dude. Lords of the gang vocal. We've, we've, we've oh, got to, we've got to yeah. move them on. Okay. So anything to say about unwritten law? Had you even heard them before tonight? Bro, I never listened to unwritten law and I was like, it was tough. Cause like, that sounds, that's a good song. I liked it already. You should check out that record. But you're it's telling me it's like they're only, it's their there, only good there song. Are like, there are two or three pretty good songs on that record. And then depending on maybe the next one, some people, there was like, they had a single that did pretty well on the next record. Next up, No Use for a Name versus The Vandals. Here's wow. Not Your Savior. The vandals, the people that are going to hell. I'm thinking no use. Yeah. What do you think? This one's hard. I like them for different reasons. I actually, I've, I've sort of recently gotten back into no use. There's a production quality issue maybe uh, with those records that I don't, I don't know. I don't like listening to them as much. Are you talking if, about no use? No use. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. They just yep. don't sound as good. Somehow like his songs are better than what comes out in that band. I think is maybe the way of saying it. Hmm. Tony Sly. Good songwriter. The Vandals are like so funny. They have multiple albums I like, but still really only two. I, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to veto you. We're, no Use for Name is going to make I it literally, through. That's literally the first 30 seconds of The Vandals I'd ever heard. Yeah. What did and you think about it? I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's just kind of a musically interesting thing too, like that they've got going on. Can we just note that the name of the the album, that the track 
people that are going to hell is off of is I can't see all of it. It's Hitler bad, vandals good. Yeah, Hitler bad, <laughs> vandals good. Wow. <laughs> uh, there, you gotta, dude. You need to listen to that record. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I do. I have a special relationship with with more betterness. The no use for yeah. a name record that yeah, that yeah. track was off of. So mm-hmm. yeah, I love that album. Cool. Um, All right. Not much Next. else to say about the vandals. Let's move on. Where All right. Are we? About halfway at this point. What do you think? We're about to do, we're almost halfway through round one. This is okay, going to be a long episode. Yeah. I am having so much fun. Yeah, me too. It can go long. All right. Here's Lagwagon with, and this is the, this is the fans. It's off Haas. It's Holy violins. Shit. Haas it's violins off Haas is their top oh, song. Oh, wow. you put me out. The into this light. As you come and go. Cause I forgot to serve you. Down, and you can't live with my mistakes But I have to fall grace Open my arms And grasp at something true Might end up being a casualty of the fans' choice We'll see Good track, violins Here is The Living End Who they're facing off against with Prisoner of Society, the Living End album Roll On was released in 2001, or maybe 2000 is inel- ineligible. But this is their big hit, Prisoner of Society. Versus Lagwagon. Ben, what do you think? It's like one of two living in songs that I know. It's like that yeah. and Roll On. Yeah. Which are really great. I mean, they have super, great songs. super high production value. It's like that, that like romantic, he actually sings with the British accent thing. Yeah, they're Australian. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're Australian. And the stand-up bass is, is like, you could love or hate it, but it, it tends to work for them. You can tell they're like good musicians. I think he's kind of got that Brian Setzer, like played a hollow body Gretsch kind yes. of a vibe. Oh yeah. They are incredible. Uh, this yeah. song versus violins, it's tough. Like Joey Cape's singing out of tune. It's just not anything like what they can channel on Let's Talk About Feelings. It's tough. I feel like I, it's kind of a toss up though, because I don't feel like a, a big emotional hit from Prisoner of Society. And I feel more of an emotional hit from violins. Like honestly, just from the song, there's like a little bit more of that, whatever that like Fat Records vibe, it like it hits that, even if it's not. Even though it's not like you hear it in, in their instrumentation in his yes. voice yeah and it's like i was kind of more moved by the lag wagon song i'm even going lag wagon i yep. think what do you think I, I think i'm with you but i think i gotta go i think i can with integrity go yeah, lag with, wagon. yeah okay great uh living end we we hardly knew you i really don't know yeah i, I hardly knew you and all right this one fine. is we can we can dispatch quickly here this is rancid versus watashi wa watashi wa oh, okay. was a don't local count your punk chickens band. before they hatch go okay ahead. here's ruby soho by rancid <laughs> Two lovers in the bedroom, and the other side to shine. 
Okay, and uh, this is not this is not gonna be a tough one. Here's Watashiwa with a song I actually love: "Ship Up or Shape Out." Seth Lane, Roger, Luke, Mike, if you're listening, I'm sorry that you guys got pitted up against Rancid. I really love your band still. But you went up against Ruby Soho, like an all-time great punk rock song. The Lane Beerman fan club was uh, one of the first ever Angel Fire pages that I feel like I encountered. No! (laughs) Wow! He is very good-looking, very 50s-looking kind of guy. Oh, yeah, he 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 got that greaser kind of like pompadour, gas jacket, Dickies vibe. Here, let me just tell a story about Watashua. They were, what were they from, like Atascadero? Yep, which is near San Luis Obispo. I don't remember where I saw them first, but I have this really like romantic uh, sort of just like the childhood adolescence trapped in amber kind of memory of going to the show. I think it was in like a high school gymnasium. I saw them play. I don't even know if they were the headliner, but they came out on stage. I didn't understand at the time. And then I, I grasped it later. Like they, right before they started their set, they did something with their hands to their mouths and then like in the first 60 seconds of the song they like slug and then they slug some water and then like <laughs> for the first 60 seconds of the song they just wildly like just foamed at the mouth and they had like put alka-seltzer tablets in their mouths and like what? mikey mikey did a backflip at some point or something and they had like what to my 16 year old tooth and nail listening ears was just like great songs they were super high energy and i was just like they just burned hot they were like a they were like the buddy holly of central california christian 1990s punk rock they were awesome and i'm sorry to see them go it's sad but they just got crushed by ruby soho yeah they got crushed by rancid all right next up all members of descendants with different singers throughout the 80s and 90s and into the aughts and 2010s and social distortion Southern Social California's own. Oh, this is going to be tough, Mike but Ness. let's see if I can make a dent with all. This is until I say so. If I could, I would, but you know, I can't lie to you. If I could, I say, you say so, then I'll say yes. So Social distortion, story of my life.
<laughs> okay, what are you thinking? All or Social D? I'm thinking Mike and Mike Ness and his crew. Social Distortion. I love All. Um, I probably like. I definitely like the Descendants more than All, but I really do love All, and I was super into All in high school. Uh, but Social D is just. I mean, that's that's an all timer, and he's got a number of these all timers. Uh, you didn't really listen to All, right? I've never encountered a band that was always described or like referenced in the same breath as another band like yeah, that. It's like, yeah. it, I would literally, I feel like I would see things in writing where it would always be like descendants slash all. Slash I'm like, all. what is the yeah. deal? Is it like the same guy? It's everybody, it but it's, except the singer, it's literally yeah, the same it band. It sounded like a different singer. I just, I listened to the descendants a bit and I never bothered to listen to all. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did love all. I, I wish him well. Next up, bringing it really to Santa Cruz. We got Craig's brother, Santa Cruz's own Craig's brother. Versus the Ataris. Oh, I know what you're gonna do, but let's play the songs. Here's no, insult no, no, to no, no. Play, yeah. Okay, here's insult to injury by Craig's brother. Just hold your tongue for a second and spare me your stupid advice. You got me blind, give you my eyes. Just hold your tongue till you can override it. You're right in the trap. Fuck yeah. All right. <laughs> the Atari's San Dimas High School football rules. <laughs> Ataris and it's a I pretty good too. song, but Craig's Brother is a better band. The Ataris found what they ultimately could do later in the early 2000s with um, So Long a Story, which I think is, I mean, is like a perfect sounding record. And that's like them at their zenith. And they weren't, it was, it was interesting. It was good and fun, but Craig's Brother did. Yeah. Great memory of going to a show. Uh, probably the first show I ever went to at the Fillmore in San Francisco. Beautiful venue. Oh, yeah. Uh, MXPX headlining. The Ataris were main support. And so their their lead singer, I can't remember if he also plays guitar or bass, but he play, he's left-handed, and he's one of these guys who would play a right-handed instrument upside down. Yeah, exactly. And he, like, I have a distinct memory of him coming out then at the end because MXPX would always close with punk rock show, and uh, he, like, came out and played with them. Like, they were fun, but... yeah. That's all I have to say. Thank you for your participation, Ataris. That's so. I just have to also say that the lyrics to that particular song, "Seeing Demons High School Football Rules," are like. Yeah. There's something about them that really gets at the extent to which all of these guys, no matter how tough they seem or how like sort of like hard their bands are trying to be, is yeah. like there's something so earnest about yeah. this kind of punk rock. Yeah. And it's just kind of a heart, heart on your sleeve. Like I'm yeah. trying to fall in love with a girl. It's kind of about high school. It's kind of, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like there's, they, they do get at something in that song, but I mean, Ted Bond is Craig's brother. Ted Bond is, he's actually a next order lyricist in my view. 
I totally agree. All right, Descendants versus me first, and the Gimme Gimmies. Here's oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be knockdown drag out. Bring it. Okay, I'm the one by Descendants. Fuck yeah. You tell me that I'm not so tired, but still you call me late at night. Every time it takes a bite, after all is said and all is done, I'm the one. I've been here for you all along. I'm the one. The shoulder you've been crying okay. on. And here's me first in the Gimme Gimme's, the punk rock cover band with Over the Rainbow. Dan, your thoughts? Uh, th- that is the only Descendants song with which I have familiarity. Well, It's a great song. I yep. didn't listen to the Descendants. My friend Devin O'Donnell, who is uh, an amazing punk drummer and was the drummer in a very obscure Santa Cruz punk band called Reliance, uh, He, I remember driving around in his like, 1956 Ford, uh, vintage Ford, and he showed me that song, <laughs> uh, and I thought it was great. Me first, I had much more of a relationship with. I feel mm-hmm. like it's tough because it's like, and this is the only like true pure cover band on this list, but they're yeah. a really fun band. Yeah, but they lose they lose something by the fact that they're it's not their songs. Like they have their own bands that they're yes. in writing their yes. songs. Yes. Right? <laughs> they, well, okay, we can talk a little bit more about them. I'm going to go Descendants. Are you also going to go Descendants? Yeah, I here? was going to veto you if you didn't. I was ready to use my first rounder. Your hand was hovering over the nuclear button. <laughs> over the red button. Let's tell some, like, do you have anything to say about me first? My only thing I would say is like, I, I feel like there's just an amazing, uh, like sort of apocryphal, legendary, I think it's true, but like the story of like the formation of their band, for those who don't know, is that like all four of the guys who are the... There's five guys. It's one of these bands with two guitar, bass, drums, and then there's a guy who just sings. The four guys who play instruments are all in well-known bands, and then the singer was like a guy they literally like dug up at a karaoke bar. No, <laughs> like... he was in the Swingin' Utters. Oh, he was? But he wasn't the singer. He was the bassist or whatever, and then he didn't... He's an incredible vocalist. I've always heard that they... No. We should double-check that. That he They just came across him at like a San Francisco karaoke bar. I'll check it in a, during a break. And if I got it wrong, I'll I'll have a mea culpa. Yeah, I mean, I I love them. I have many of their rec- I had many of their albums, like you know, on CD, and I listen to them regularly. I think they're super clever. I love how they put the nods to the famous punk songs at the beginning. Those other dudes, at least two of them, are like iconic, famous guys. It's Joey Cape, lead singer of Lagwagon, Fat Mike, yeah. lead singer of No Effects. I can't remember who the other dude, the drummer oh, and the other it's guitarist. Chris are. Shiflet from Foo Fighters. He was in No Use for a Name oh, when they started. Wow. Yep. And then the drummer Dave is from Lagwagon also. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just an incredible super group. So we played. And they kept it going. They've like kept it. Yeah, they did like they kept it going. Yeah. Six, eight, nine albums. It's like they were in these huge, constantly touring bands, and they're like, no, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna do like a seventh album. What do you guys think? Maybe an all disco covers. Album? I mean, I think <laughs> like, it's like all profit for them, and it's got to be so fun. So why not do it, right? 
they have an entire album that's like not only a covers album, but it's a live album that is like that it's like they're pretending that they're playing somebody's bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah, right. I have to oh. listen to that. All right, rest in peace, me first. See you, me first. Next up, this one's gonna probably be easy. This is Green Day versus Dogwood. Here's Basket Case from Dookie, the <laughs> diamond selling <laughs> album. Whatever. If there's if there's a single track that is like the nuclear option on this list, it's, it's Basket the song Case, you're yeah. about to hear. I went to Okay, versus <laughs> top that never die by Dogwood, the Christian skate punk band. <laughs> My faith in you will never die. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sorry, Dogwood. You guys were good dudes. The album that's also called More Than Conquerors, that's the only album I really had any strong relationship with. And I had like a white hot relationship with that album. I don't know, summer of whenever it came out, probably ninety eight or something yeah. like that. And that I like that album. That's a solid album. It's got like real consistency of tone. Their drummer is great. I opened for them once for Pete's sake opened for them at a show at Christian Life Center on Mission Boulevard in Santa Cruz and I have a distinct memory of them doing one of the only times I've ever seen this actually like a full-on everybody take a knee altar call like message they were just they they just came across as like very earnest and not and also not like sort of tortured <laughs> we're doing this because like the elders in our church which I mean maybe they were obviously in that culture but like somehow they just they just seemed incredibly earnest like we are doing this as a ministry and we are yeah yeah i just i don't know i liked them i got a good vibe they're kind of the, they're one of the only bands I've, I've i have ever associated with san diego like they were they kind of repped san diego i guess pod too was like really into yeah. being from san diego like, I feel we are like, a san yeah. diego band yeah so yeah. Uh, that's all i have to say that green day song is uh would have would have probably taken Ruby Soho. I don't know. That's yeah, like the, might that's the punk track. Incredible. Come, I'll just, I should say this now because I'll forget later, but I talked with my wife earlier today about this gleefully. I was like yeah. explaining to her what we were going to do. Yeah. And the two bands that I referenced to her, I was like, the, there's two bands off this whole list that I would routinely hear in central California, nineties uh, uh, drive time radio. And those were uh, Green Day and The Offspring. Those are the only two bands that really had like radio play. And that song yeah. obviously is is one of them. Okay, let's move on. So I was wrong. I mean, I was right that Spike Slauson uh, played bass in in the Swing and Utters, but he was in Me First first. He, but he also worked in the mail room at Fat Records. So I don't know if it was really a karaoke bar or what. Oh, we'll have to find out. Oh man, I feel validated. Okay, so next up, Alkaline Trio versus Propagandi. Here's Cringe by Alkaline Trio. Alkaline 
Strange by Alkaline Trio. Here is And We Thought That Nation States Were a Bad Idea by Propagandi. And it's beautiful, no regard for principle. What a stupid world. Born, hired, disposed, where that's all plans. Everybody knows you can tell by the smile on the CEO. Environmental restraints are about to go. Very wordy, very political, very important band in my life. Their best record, though, was released in 2000 or 2001. So that's from Let's Talk More Rock. What are you thinking? I'm leaning Alkaline Trio there. Yeah. I mean, I probably would have vetoed you if not. I really love Propagandi. Uh, That record's pretty cool, too, Let's Talk More Rock. But it's still kind of rough around the edges. And, I mean, that Alkaline Trio record, goddammit, is so, so good. And just like... It's just its own fully formed thing. Explain to me why Propagandi was an important band for you. It's really like one of the bands where I most connected sort of the teachings of the Gospels with punk, like this care for the poor, this economic liberation. And I just was like, it just clicked for me. And I was like, these guys are anti-religious, but I think it totally makes sense. You know, Hmm. that's why it was important for me. All right. So we're going to. Alkaline Trio is going to move on. Fantastic. Next up, Good Riddance. Are they also Santa Cruz, San Francisco? Absolutely. Oh, dude, no. Straight from the streets of Santa Cruz. Yep. Good Riddance versus Pennywise. This is basically a NorCal, SoCal, you know, throwdown bar fight. Here we go. State Control by Good Riddance. Top song on Apple Music. It's refreshing to hear some like hardcore punk in this bracket. Like yeah. that felt good. Like I'm yeah. missing that kind of DC, the- you know, uh, flavored sort of like straight up hardcore. That was fun. Okay, here's Pennywise with Bro Him. If you're ever in a tough situation, we'll be there, no hesitation. Brotherhood's our rule, we cannot bend. That is an unfortunate sounding recording of that song. I feel like yeah. I have seen them do it live and like that just doesn't do it any. Like there is so much better live. That is the ultimate anthemic chant or whatever. I can just picture just, you know, half a million different interchangeable identical 19 year old men from orange yes. county like, yeah at a venue the next night they'll be at a uh, at a high school basketball game but tonight they're at a pennywise show it is kind of song. like the element of the punk community that i always identified with the least yeah. you know pennywise was a little bit like the bros punk band totally yes uh but that's a great like that's a great pop gang vocal hook like it's the we will rock you of southern california 90s it's kind of rock. brilliant uh there's a brilliance to it so but who are you voting for uh in that in those two tracks head to head matchup i'm going state control good riddance yeah me too no no complaints all right 
Final bands of round one, no effects versus Goaty Hook. <laughs> the real sacrificial lambs. Thank you, guys. All right, here's no effects with linoleum. never going to get a pure expression of the the drum beat we're talking about. <laughs> that's a yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great note. It's a very clear example of that skate skate punk beat. Uh here's Goaty Hook with Seasons from the album Sumo Surprise. It was a Okay, so that's obviously going to go to no effects. Anything yeah. to say about Goaty Hook? Any memories or anything like that? I know I had the Banana yeah, Man album. I, oh, I don't really know. Banana Man. I like my Yes, that song. I like. They are there in an absolute and total sacrificial lamb. Yeah, they are. It's kind of like it's like I we ha, we don't have that much time per round, but I yeah. just I, it's like we're not gonna. I guess we're not gonna talk about linoleum again in the future. We're gonna listen no. to, listen to a different No Effects song. A different No Effects song. That yeah. is probably my favorite No Effects song. That is weird, just poetic lyrics about kind of like poverty punk life yeah. and like yeah. That's like a, that's an example of sheer creativity of Mike's songwriting. I mean that's. I think that's no. I think that's incisive. Linoleum is the perfect encapsulation of of No Effects' sound. Like yeah. that song gets at it closest. Yes. And yeah, it's got just enough humor, just enough like kind of weirdness and strange word choice. It's got that clever guitar work and you know that super solid backbeat. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> Okay, Soren, what do you want to say? Uh, bye. Hi. Should people share this episode with friends that would like it? Yeah. Yeah? Hmm. What else? I don't know. I'll do it. <laughs> Let's not eat it, okay. 